I've got a reading I'm going to read on forgiveness. Forgiveness can be just a change of attitude. I came to Al-Anon full of bitterness towards the alcoholic in my life. When I realized that my bitterness hurt me more than anyone else, I began to search for another way to view my situation. In time, I came to believe that my alcoholic loved one might be the messenger my higher power used to let me know that I needed to get help. It is not fair to shackle he or she with credit or blame for the amount of time it took me to pay attention to that message. I chose to tolerate a great deal of unacceptable behavior because I was unwilling to admit that I needed help. I did the best I could with the tools and knowledge I had at hand, and I believe that he or she did too. Eventually, the message got through. I made it to the rooms of Al-Anon, and my life changed in miraculous ways. I don't deny that hurtful things were said and done along the way, but I refuse to carry the burden of bitterness any further. Instead, I am grateful for what I have learned. Today's reminder. I will not allow old resentments to drag me down any longer. I am building a better and more loving life today. Forgiving is not forgetting. It's letting go of the hurt. That's a quote from Mary Beth. Well, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Leslie D. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Leslie D. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, like Lynn said earlier today, that uh, I look forward so much every year to coming to the IDAA. This is my seventh IDAA in the, over the past ten years, and <coughs> that I look forward so much to seeing the, um, the old friends and making new friends when I come here because this Al-Anon program has become so important to me about... Uh, when I first came to the IDAA about um, 10 years ago, that I was ready to quit Al-Anon because there had been a fight in a group I had been in. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that, but uh, this person basically came over to me because there was a woman in my group that she went on and on about her mother for about 25 minutes, and finally I just couldn't take it anymore, and I just said, maybe we could somehow turn that into Al- some Al-Anon concept, and you know, and the woman started to cry, and this other woman afterwards, she came, I've been watching you, and I don't know who you think you are, and I mean, I went to the Al-Anon office, and they said, you know, you old-timers, you've got to really stick up for what we really believe in Al-Anon, is, and we've got to keep those meetings right on track. So, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we take the blame and we bear the brunt of what happens in those meetings, but we've got to keep this Al-Anon program alive for the people that really want it. So, anyway, the people, when I came here, they were so warm and loving, and I don't know, Margaret, if you guys all remember Margaret, and, you know, some of the other, Gail, and all the other people, and I am just so grateful, because I, I still went to Al-Anon for all those years, and... And it's really been so good for me. Um, I was in Wyoming last week on vacation, and when I came back on Monday night, I got a, had a message on my machine from Pat, and she said, "I'm sorry, it's something emergency has come up, and um, I'd like to ask you to speak. Do you think that you can do this?" So, between unpacking, doing the laundry, and getting repacked, I uh, made some time to sit down and to put my thoughts together a little bit to prepare for today. So. I just thought it's just really funny how things work out, you know, bring me back, always bringing me back here. Um, the best thing about speaking is what a great reminder it is to the speaker of what the program is all about because um, we're not, I'm not a perfect person. I'm never going to be a perfect person, and no matter how much I try, I wish I was a perfect person. But, uh, but when I, every time I speak, I sit down and I get some new ideas, and I try to put it all, all down and get it together. 
my group, um, after five years that we, we folded because we weren't pulling in any new blood into our group. We had two or three people that came regularly. I don't know if you've had any of you experienced that, but, um, I haven't been to any real regular meetings for a couple of years now, so every time I come back here, I just, I look forward to it so much. See, it's real hard to maintain my attitude because I, I, it's in me, you know, what I learned in Allen and what I learned here in these rooms, it's still with me and it makes who I am my personality every day of my life. But the thing is that I forget a lot of things that I learned and when I come back to the meetings and so I feel like it's so important for me to actually be in the meetings even though I haven't really made the time to do that. Um, and so they said that I could pick any subject when they talked with me on Monday night and I decided that I had to talk about gratitude and forgiveness because it made such an impact on, on the, on the last, um, years of my life and, um, that I just wanted to kind of spread it out and let everybody else hear about it. You know, they say an attitude of gratitude and I, I really like that because it, it, it makes such a difference. See, when I first came to the program, I was so angry. I was so angry with my husband's illness because it, it, uh, wreaked so much havoc with my family that I didn't know if I was going to keep my house, if I was going to be able to keep our cars, and, um, what, I didn't know what I did to deserve such a terrible, th- you know, thing that had happened in my family, and the impact that his illness had on our family, and the way he treated me and my young son, and, and it was really very, very difficult. And, um, See, when I was 30 years old, two months after my 30th birthday, I um, wasn't feeling real well, and I went to the doctor, and um, they did this real big surgery on my face, and they took like half my face apart and put it back together, and they said that um, when I that um, I was quite sick, you know, but they thought I was probably going to be okay, so I had a um, malignancy, uh, and uh, they said that uh, they thought I was going to be all right, so. Life went on, and um, then after that, my husband got sick, and things between my illness and his illness, things in our house, as you can imagine, were very, very crazy, because I was very depressed, and I was so depressed, and I didn't really know how to get out of it, and I was very angry, because I really thought that, uh, I didn't know that I was really going to live, even though the doctor said I was going to live. I really didn't feel real convinced of it, and um, my husband um when um, he was in the hospital for a long time, and we were separated for uh, the time he was in treatment, which was quite extended. And um, so um, it, it was, I was really extra bitter, very bitter about my life. And I, I thought that uh, I didn't really know what was, the future was going to bring. And he was really, really depressed, you know. And um, he would say things like to me like, um, why don't you just go ahead and die so I can get on with the rest of my life? And that was so hard for me to, to imagine because all I wanted to do was live. And actually, all that he wanted to do was die because he was so depressed. And all I wanted, I had such a fight. You know, I just, I wanted to live more than anything because I had a real young son to raise. And I, I just, I didn't want anything to happen before. I didn't know who was going to raise him. There basically was nobody to raise him. I had this crazy loon of a husband. I had problems in every aspect of my family life. And I wasn't going to, about to ask a friend to do it. And I just, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And my biggest fear during that time was that my son, I was going to die and that my my son was not going to remember me, and um, it probably was the biggest motivating factor um, in my life because after nine months after I was in the program, I relapsed with cancer, and this time instead of telling me they thought I was going to be okay, they told me I was going to die, and they said actually that 
I probably would die rather quickly. And um, they said maximum maybe a year or two. My doctor said that he would try to keep me as comfortable as possible for as long as he could. And um, so, you know, I, I went to Al-Anon like all the time. And I was really angry about the fact that I was sick and everything. And um, I went to this friend of mine and I, I was really like crying in my soup, you know. And she said to me, she said to me, when are you going to start to live? When are you going to stop dying and start to live? And it's like, how dare somebody say that to me? I just couldn't imagine how somebody could say that. And so I, I really gave it some thought. It made me really mad. <laughs> it made me mad enough to really think about what she said. And if anything ever made an impact in my life, it was those words because it gave me the motivation to pick myself up and to decide that I was going to live my life with the best, the most of my ability to the best of my ability and um, I still was trying to figure out how to deal with my anger and my resentment and my bitterness about what I had, had happened to me see I didn't want to be remembered as an angry and bitter person because I had this feeling oh yeah her oh she was so angry nobody wanted to be a friend of hers and then I went to um, Al-Anon you know and I had already been in Al-Anon for a while by the time that this had happened for a matter of almost a year See, I set all priorities for my life of how I was going to live the rest of my life, and I tried to live by that and work on that for over the next period of time because I wanted to put everything in order. I didn't want to have any loose ends, and I wanted all my relationships to be tied up with the people that I loved and the people that I fought with and the people I disagreed with and the people I was mad with and people that were everywhere. And, and, and most of all, I wanted to make some peace with myself about the way that I had lived my life. And... Um, I, I love the steps. I worked those steps. I did my fourth and fifth step a number of times, and eight and nine were the biggest, really biggest healing power to me because of my anger. And it was um, mostly my anger about my circumstances, but also my anger with other people. Um, <clears throat> see, I realized that forgiveness was really the opposite of anger for me. And that if I could forgive all the people in my life that I felt angry with, and if I could forgive this, my circumstances, the, the way the way things that life had dealt me, if I could figure out how to forgive my circumstances, I figured out that I could relieve my anger about about what was happening. I went to meetings, and I found this wonderful sponsor. She moved to Florida um, a few years ago, and I still keep in touch with her because I love my sponsor so much. Because she, I'd say, boy, I really got in a fight with my husband, and she'd say, yeah, you know, we really got to, we really. She was such a martyr. <laughs> she says, I, she says, I'm the biggest martyr. <laughs> she'll say it right out, you know. But, but she'll say, yeah, you're right, you know. They, she, she'll say, oh, he's, he really is this, and he's really that. And I would just feel so great just to have somebody on my side. But she'd always put in that Allen on stuff, and she'd bring me right back. <laughs> She never let it go real long, but I, I always felt like she was there for me. See, I found that after a while I could really forgive my husband for his behavior because he had a really bad illness. And I think that after that, because this was so long ago, that they have come to recognize more and more that the physical aspects of addiction, of addictive illness, and the biogenetics of it and all of those aspects. And back then, all that they said was, this is a physical illness you have to believe. And that was really hard for me to accept. I tried to believe it. I really tried. And so I was able to forgive my husband for the way that he acted and the things that he said because I knew that he was sick. And I tried to um, forgive others that I felt had wronged me so that I could set the, those aspects of my life straight. See, I have this thing with my friends, you know, that I always keep finding all these faults in my friends. 
I'm going to talk about myself later, so don't worry. I'm not getting too far off track. <laughs> but um, that that with my friends and with other people that I always manage to find people's faults. Not and initially, you know, but somewhere down the line I run into things that I disagree with or, you know, whatever. And I really think without forgiveness, I, I wouldn't have any friends today and I really wouldn't have anybody to turn to because um, I think in this life, in order to maintain relationships and any kind of balance, I think that I really have to learn, use forgiveness. I use forgiveness every day in my life because otherwise I tend to go into... Um, disagreeing or judging and whatever and I just always pull that back you know just forgive and so many times where I would have said something to somebody that would have caused an argument or a problem I hold back and I just um, you know I don't say anything and I find that I get along much much better with people and I think that people think that I'm a better person because I act that way see with myself that it was really hard for me to forgive myself for my past, for my past mistakes. And I used to roll over in my mind all the time, all the things I ever did wrong in my life, keep coming back into my mind, all those things. And I never really could figure out, like, that there was anything even wrong with it. But then all of a sudden I realized that that was holding me back so much from experience the future that I had to really work on um, forgiving myself for my past and for my guilt and for the things that I felt. And the eighth and ninth step lends itself so beautifully to that. And that's why I say that those steps were so healing, especially with my father. I often talk about my father. I often talk about my father in these talks. And you see, my father died mad at me because um, he was mad at me about something that I did in those in the year before he died. And he became suddenly ill, and my father was not the kind of person to talk about anything or to deal with it. He never even wanted to know that he was dying. I think we think he knew, but he would not talk about it with anybody in the family. And he was very angry with me when he died, and he died that way, and I never, never rectified it with him. And I carried that guilt for a long, long time. And my very dear friend, she's one day when I was talking about it, she said to me, there's always forgiveness between those people who love each other. And I felt so much better after that. And I went to his grave and I made my amends. And I, I worked on my forgiveness of him. And I know that he forgave me. And especially um, that with God. I was very angry with God. And I had to find some forgiveness for God for my own illness. And um, I had to find some acceptance about my life because I was never going to move forward in that bitter and angry state. And I really felt I wanted to make the very, very most of it and do everything I could. This really funny thing happened. <laughs> we bought this house. And, uh, oh, it was about seven years ago. And um, my, it took me until recently for my son to tell me, hey, Mom, I, you have a temper. Because all those years he's lived with me, he never, I mean, he must have known I had a temper, but he didn't never really dawned on him. He said to me recently, and I was so proud of myself that he never realized it before, because I always try to, like, really hold myself back and think about it, you know, like they say, um, you know, to act becomingly and keep my voice low. And I'll tell you, it got me off out of a lot of binds in the last years. But we had this realtor, and uh, when we sold our house, that... Um, we were um, on a trip abroad during the time that we were selling it. And she could have gotten a hold of us any night because she knew our night where we were every single night, and she didn't. And uh, when they did the inspection on our old house, that that they found that our furnaces were bad. And um, when they did the inspection, but she never called us, and she let it go, and she let it go till it was past the deadline. And then she went to my lawyer, who had power of attorney, and she talked him into signing signing over the money to pay for the new furnaces, which I had told her before we left that. We weren't paying for anything else because we had made enough concessions in the deal. And so I really let her have it. (laughs) 
And, I mean, I said, that wasn't right of you, and how dare you do that, and, you know, I mean, like that. And, I mean, I think that I was justified in what I said to her, but the way I said it was not acceptable. The apology to her cost me $50. The phone call abroad cost me 50 bucks. That is the biggest apology I have ever had to make. <laughs> and you can see that I never wanted to be in that position of having to have others, people forgive me for what I did because <laughs> I was, you know, I didn't want to ever, and so I have held my temper for all these years now. <laughs> and I, you know, whenever, like, there's a problem with another person, I have to deal with it and I have to work things out. I always, I, 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 um, what I always say is that I open up the space for them and I let them fall in. And I let them say their piece. I ask the question. I let them say the piece, their explanation of whatever I have a question or a problem with before I say one word to them. And so many times before I'm done, the whole problem is worked out and I don't have to say anything. And many times, actually, people are rather generous because they know that they were wrong. And I don't even have to, you know, get on my temper or do anything about it. So I'll tell you, this forgiveness thing has really, there's been so many ways in my relations with other people. I find, actually, that my relations with other people is my biggest struggle in recent years, more so than the alcoholism and the addiction in the beginning. And that's all because of coming here. <clears throat> and as a result of forgiveness, it really lends itself to gratitude. And I started by saying to myself, I can see for today. I can walk for today. I can use my ears for today. I can take care of my most basic business, which is my taking care of my son. I can cook my meals, I can drink water, I can, I, it's okay for today. And that was the most basic level that I took my gratitude. And I found that as a result of my gratitude, that people loved me, and I loved them. And I felt very, um, a lot of happiness, because I showed people that I felt a lot of gratitude about my life. And people see it. It's not just how I appreciate my life, but it's that others see it in me and that they appreciate it too. You see, I had a 10-year complete remission. I had no cancer at all for those 10 years. And I went to Allen meetings for 11 years. Now it's been 13 I've been in the program. And my son... I was 15 and a half. And you see, if I had lived and been that angry, bitter, resentful person, I would have had 14 years of resentment and anger and bitterness. You see, gratitude overrides my negative thinking. And I think it's a waste of my life and my energy. Um, I think it's not only difficult for myself to feel that way, but I think it's difficult for others to see that my, me that way because when I have a negative attitude about myself and about my surroundings, that it, it affects everybody else around me. They see it. They feel it. It's there. They know it. It's easier to be negative. It really is. It takes a lot of work to feel gratitude. See, then I came across this reading in the One Day at a Time in Al-Anon, September 9th, page 253. Here's an eye-opening, mind-opening question to ask myself. What am I doing with what I've got? Instead of crying over what I don't have and wishing my life were different, what am I doing with what I've got? Am I so sure I'm doing everything possible to make my life a success? And that just about says it all. We were, when we were in Wyoming, um, we were in a cabin 
out, you know, like um, there was a bunch, a bunch of cabins in this area, and every time you wanted something, you had to go up to the office. So I went up to the office a couple times, and I'd say, oh, I need this, or where is that, you know, and how do I do this? And after a while, I went in there, and I said, boy, I just love the fact that you had kitchen utensils for me and, and uh, you know, plates and that so that I could cook a couple things here. And she said, after I went there a couple of times and did that, you know, sort of thing, she said, she said, I bet you like just about everything here, don't you? <laughs> I said, that's right. And she said, why? She was like, so she said, why? Are, I mean, how did you get that way? Or like, what? So I told her my story a little bit, you know. And when I got all done, I said to her, I said to the ladies behind the desk, and every time I'd go up there, then they'd ask me a few more questions, and I'd answer a few more of them, you know. And we went back and forth a few times. And after, finally, I said, I want to hear your story, because I know everybody has a story to tell. And um, I think that my story is only the beginning, and that your stories are probably, your stories I know are equally important and that fascinating to hear. Um, Some negative things, anger, resentment, impatience, guilt, gossip, judgment, dominance, criticism, and on the other hand, forgiveness, hope, sharing, friends, patience, love, and gratitude. But I have something I want to read. My really good al friend, she was in this doctor's office the other day. And she came home. She was all excited. She gave me this. She, she came over to my house right away. She had to give me this sheet. I have to read this to you. This is unbelievable. And we don't even know whether the person who wrote it, we don't know who wrote it, or if the person is in one of our programs or not. But I have to tell you, it was so on the money. I had to bring it to you today. This is the beginning of a new day. I have been given this day to use as I will. What I do today is important because I'm exchanging a new day of my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving in its place whatever I have traded for it. I pledge to myself that it shall be for gain, good, success, in order that I shall not regret the price I paid for this day. My thinking and my attitudes are calm and cheerful. I act and feel friendly towards other people. I am tolerant of other people, their shortcomings and mistakes, and I view their actions with the most favorable understanding possible. I act as though attainment of my goals is sure to happen, and I am the kind of individual I aspire to be, and everything I do and the way I feel expresses this individuality. I will not allow my judgment or attitude to be affected by negativism or pessimism. I try to smile as often as possible, at least several times a day. I respond in a calm and intelligent manner without alarm, no matter what the situation. If I cannot control a situation, I try always to react in a positive manner, even to negative facts. I know that if I apply, if I apply myself to forming habits to enable me to act in the above manner, it will, ha- it will have a positive influence on my self-image in a most constructive way. By making these actions a part of my life, I will notice definite growth in my self-confidence. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is mystery, today is a gift, and that's why it is called the present. Thank you very much.